0: Good morning, and may it please the court. My name is Adam Charnas, and I represent um, the appellant in this case. And I will, will try and reserve five minutes for rebuttal. This appeal presents two issues. The first issue is whether TV's successive removal of the case from state court was proper. And the second issue was, assuming that the district court had jurisdiction, whether it correctly abstained under the comedy doctrine. And I'll start with the, with the uh, removal
1: question first. Um, that's been decided. This case is in federal court.
0: We agree, Your Honor. You, you,
1: yeah, you've moved to remand.
0: Well, they've they've moved to remand. Um, they moved to remand, and the district right. court remanded it. The district court addressed the merits of the abstention question. So at no. least yeah. at least implicitly, the district right. court. I got it. Okay, thank you. At least implicitly, the district court rejected the argument that the second removal was improper. Um, and, and we think that rejection was, was proper or was appropriate. Uh, the city argues that uh, a case is removable whenever there is original jurisdiction in federal court and, therefore, it argues the first, after the first removal there was original jurisdiction. It was remanded based on an abstention doctrine. And, therefore,
2: uh, DirecTV was not allowed to remove a second time. Well, let's, let's say, hypothetically, that you were allowed to remove it um, a second time. When did that thirty-day guideline kick off? You cite the district court's uh, or, or, I'm sorry, the state court's order, which was at the end of December, I think, 2021. 20, anyway, the end of December. Uh, opposing counsel suggests that you were on notice. I think earlier that earlier that year, in January, I think, at the end of January, when it was appeared on the face of one of their pleadings that they had, as you describe it. Uh, change their position on the fee versus tax. Now, why doesn't that put you on notice at that point? Um, because I think 1446B3 says, yeah, it mentions an order, but it also mentions an amended pleading, a motion, uh, from which it from which it may be first ascertained that the case is removable. Now, you knew they had switched positions. Why does it? Why did you wait until the uh, state court issued its order? Well, we, you're absolutely right. We knew they switched positions. Well, we, well,
0: we, well, we disputed that position in state court. Our position in state court was that this was a tax subject to the Hancock Amendment under the Missouri Constitution and therefore dismissible. Simply because if they were taking the position that it, was, um, that it was a fee didn't mean that the state court was going to agree with that. The state court might have but, but agreed. But it
2: did mean at that point that you probably could have had a removal petition at that point. I don't right? think so,
0: Your Honor. I think there's, there are certain circumstances in which a pleading, a party's pleading by itself establishes
2: federal jurisdiction. Well, the, in the normal course, right? The, the first removal, that's almost always the case. I, there may be exceptions, but you rely on the plaintiff's pleadings.
0: Well, y- yes and no. I mean, you, the, the best example is amount of controversy, right? In a lot of states, you're not, the state procedure doesn't require you to plead uh, damages amount. It's just, you know, the defendant removes, the plaintiff says, we're only seeking $68,000. Federal district court remands.
2: You do, discovery. you do discovery. When the
0: plaintiff says something, it could be in an interrogatory answer, it could be at a deposition. Any paper, it says, we're seeking $89,000. That starts the clock. Here, their position was, they, they switched positions. In federal court, they said, this is a tax to invoke the Tax Injunction Act and Comedy Doctrine. As soon as they got to state court, they said, no, 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 it's actually a fee. But we said, no, we said, that's a tax. Their position is we should have removed then. At the same time, we, we, they wanted us to invoke federal jurisdiction by saying that this is a fee, not a tax, while we're simultaneously arguing in court that it's a tax, not a fee. I mean, that, that would have been requiring us to make taking inconsistent positions. As soon as, the dist- as soon as the state court, excuse me, said this is a fee, that's established for the purposes of the case that it was a fee, and therefore, that, we believe that triggered our right to, to remove again. And, you know, that's, a, that's an important holding here. The, the fact of the matter is that Lemity, Levin comedy doctrine, and Levin, of course, is the most recent Supreme Court's most recent explication of, of comedy, uh, applies to offensive actions filed by taxpayers seeking to bypass and avoid state law tax refund and tax challenge processes. Every state, to my knowledge, has a specific process if you want to protest taxes. Typically, you've got to pay first, so this, the, the tax... No,
1: you don't pay first on most taxes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, and, and then you have to file technically The ones that count, income tax and in several. You can go to the administrative hearing, but proceed. Um, well, 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 you're you're reputing your view of what the Supreme Court thinks is important on this comedy doctrine for, as opposed to what they've said about it, The that whether revenue is more important than all this procedural stuff.
0: Well, I think, well, first of all, Judge Benton, I, we're relying on... Um, Missouri statute 139.031, which does say that that's the catch-all, yeah, right, yeah. Um, But but there is a set procedure. You have to file a protest, and then you can go to state court. Other states, as, as your honor alluded to, have much more intricate requirements. For example, in Maryland, you've got to pay, you've got to file a protest, you've got to ask for a refund from the commissioner, tax commissioner, then you've got to go to tax court.
2: But as Judge Loken said, that's only one aspect of the Supreme Court's holding. The other is interference with revenue, right?
0: Well, I think that's – our the Supreme Court has mentioned that that is correct, but it's in the context of, of a tax. And it cannot possibly be that any lawsuit that – beti- Does Levin specifically say
2: our holding is limited to taxes?
0: Um, it doesn't – no, it does not specifically say that. What it does say is – and this is the very first paragraph of Levin. It says, the comedy doctrine applicable in state taxation cases restrains federal courts from entertaining claims for relief that risk disrupting state tax administration. This is not a state taxation case. It's a fee, as they've argued.
1: You you don't think we could bring out some dicta, holding or dicta explanation, focusing on the revenue, the importance of of state revenue issues and who should decide that?
0: There, there is language. I will agree.
1: Uh, not only in Levin, but in lots of places. Well, yes, but that's—they're all in the context well, well, of. Well, but put that aside. Just take my 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 word for what the Supreme Court cares about. Well, that's, that's your argument.
0: No, I Your Honor, we're we're focusing on the language of Levin, and Levin focuses repeatedly as a you long. Know how many
1: times the court has told us be, beware of taking our dicta as gospel? Well, I'm not relying on the dicta. I'm relying on the on the holding of said the case. Language and you agreed that it wasn't the holding, so what was it? It wasn't dicta, oh no, it was just language.
0: No, I, 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 I said there was no specific holding by the Supreme Court where the Supreme Court said this doesn't apply to fees, it just applies to taxes. Every Supreme Court case, with possible exception of the Boise Artisan case, which I'll get oh, to in a moment. Yeah,
1: that was ancient history. right? I, mean, well, I read that, yeah, that's pretty significant. Yeah, but I think that I case. I don't think the, I don't think the principle there has gone away.
0: No, your honor, but I think Boise was a different case. There was a pending state court action filed by the city, a collection you, you action.
1: Can al- you can always distinguish cases factually. That's easy.
0: Well, I don't think it's factually. I think it's legally. The fact of the matter is what the Supreme Court well, that's mentioned. The question. Pardon your honor. That's the question. Right, and what
1: suggested, I don't think. I don't think it's.
0: With this, I'll just point out, Your Honor, the Supreme Court focused in Boise on that pending action. And it said that the def- two things of, of note, I think, here, number one, that uh, a federal court's equity jurisdiction should not be invoked when there is an available remedy elsewhere. And there was an already pending case. And secondly, most importantly for our purposes here, what the Supreme Court said in, in Boise was that the defendant, the War company, could have removed that, that collection action in state court if there was federal uh, removal jurisdiction, and that's exactly what we've done here. There's federal removal jurisdiction. It was
1: federal question jurisdiction. Well, I don't think it, there wasn't diversity. Is that was there
0: in in Boise? I'm not sure, honor. But if there is diversity in this case, well, that's undisputed. Yeah. And what the Supreme Court said in in Boise was that removal um, is perfectly appropriate if there's a, a legal basis to do so, and
1: that's. Um, well, where did the Seventh Circuit go wrong in interpreting eleven in the Fisher's case? which I think you want us to completely disagree with, right? Uh, essentially, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, we
0: think the Seventh Circuit got it wrong. Yeah. Okay, I won't good. mince words about that. Um, the fact of the matter is that, uh, it, that, that the Seventh Circuit, along with a number of district courts, essentially, we think have completely overread the comedy doctrine, equivalent to what a lot of courts did with Rooker-Feldman. If you remember Rooker-Feldman doctrine, started as a very narrow abstention doctrine, Applied in specific circumstances, and many lower courts really blew it up to something much bigger. And the Supreme Court, about ten years ago, had to put a stop to that and say, "Rooker-Feldman is a ne- it's important, but it's a narrow doctrine." I think that a lot of the lower courts, and, and uh, City of Fishers is the best example, have overread Levin. I think what Levin applies to is interference. Levin comedy applies to interferences well, didn't with the this-
2: Levin, and, and it's not squarely in front of my mind at the moment. But didn't Levin basically criticize lower courts, specifically the Sixth Circuit? For underreading the comedy doctrine, well, they, they yes, they criticized. So, now you're for that we've boomeranged back, uh, <laughs> following Justice Ginsburg's guidance to not underread it, and now we're overreading.
0: I think what they what, what Levin criticized was the overreading of a footnote in the Hibbs case, where where, where Hibbs was an establishment. But there was broader <laughs>
2: language in there too about not limiting this the scope of comedy, if I recall.
0: Right. So you know, we think what, what Levin is focusing on is interference with state administration. And with respect to the revenue issue, this is a completely different case also because in many states, uh, most states, I think, in order to challenge taxes, you've got to pay first to preserve we, we, the integrity.
1: Might, you, might you might go on. Because, I, I mean, I I don't know about my colleagues. I couldn't disagree more with what with the, what your, the points you're making here. Okay. Well, I'll move on to my second point then. Uh, and the well, second... I I, you know, it's your argument. But, the, but, I mean, your, your, your interpretation of what, what abstention doctrines mean and what colony means and what the Supreme Court is focusing on, it, I disagree.
0: Okay, well, uh, this, even and if we're... So
1: did the Seventh Circuit. Some, yes, well, the Second very, Circuit. Some very, uh, uh, very wise jurists.
0: But even if we're wrong about Levin, there's a second reason why the remand was inappropriate, and that's Quackenbush. And this is an area where the where this court has been emphatic. What Quackenbush says is that you cannot apply an abstention doctrine when the plaintiff seeks damages,
1: and that's that be- is not what it says. I've got it right handy. It says it it's, it's holding is limited to common law actions for damage. Your Honor, uh, other Supreme Court cases, in my view, make it clear that. Courts of equity, which have have jurisdiction and authority to impose monetary remedies, are outside Quackenbush.
0: Yes, the, but they're, but they're seeking here is is a legal claim, legal damages. They're not seeking
1: monetary damage, uh, equitable damages. They're now, se- wait a minute, you're talking about count three. Count three. Counts one and two are my focus. That's true. Well, in this court, can, can we could we could we remand count three only? No, and, and the not? reason is that, Wait, why not legally.
0: Well, in, Yama, in the Yamaha case and the Nightcubs case, this court addressed exactly that question It said when there are both equitable claims and legal claims, that dismissal or remand is not appropriate. Now, the court, what the court, what this court has said, and what the
1: <laughs> you just said something that's contrary to your position. I think no. What, we want. You just said we've held that if there's both equity and, and damages, we can't remand.
0: Cannot remand.
1: You're, here, there's equity and damages, and you, you want remand.
0: No, no, we do not want remand. No. Uh, and what the court what the court has said no, is but that that's
1: you, not a holding that, the, that it's there's no authority.
0: I, I disagree with that, Your Honor. Quackenbush okay, is. And we
1: could say don't address count three. The state courts have jurisdiction over count three.
0: I think what what, the court, what this court has said in both Yamaha and nightclubs and picking up on Quackenbush, and this, this court's juris, uh, jurisprudence on Quackenbush is different to some extent than other, than other circuits which have sort of read Quackenbush out of the law. This court has not done so, has said that if there are both equitable claims and legal claims, the most the court can do in the abstention doctrine is stay the federal case while a state case proceeds. Now, in this case, there is no state case. In a younger abstention, for example, there might well be a state case. And what this Court has said is, well, the federal case can be stayed, but it cannot be dismissed. This Court has expressly said that um, in Yamaha. It said claims for damages what we, are-
1: What if we invited a voluntary dis- uh, uh, an amendment that eliminated count three? I think count three was, a, was casual mistaken pleading, not much more than substance.
0: Well, Your Honor, well, but what they're actually seeking here is money, right? And without count three, it, 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 let me put it this way, Your Honor. So, if I, I
1: have a, so are a lot of uh, declaratory judgment courts of equity plaintiffs.
0: That's right. And Missouri law is clear under the Declaratory Judgment Act that if you, if, you're real, if you have a claim at law, a claim for damages, you cannot just position it as a declaratory judgment action and seek to avoid that. No, there, no, no,
1: you, mean, you mean the, the, the power and... ERISA cases, for example, to in breach of fiduciary duties, which are limited, I think, to equitable remedies and monetary penalties are, are remedies are awarded all the time with the Supreme Court's blessing. You're saying Missouri – no, that's not Missouri law.
0: I'm saying Missouri law, and, you know, we can uh, – I can cite cases now. We can submit a 20 20- –
1: federal court of equity <clears throat> can award monetary remedies
0: that is correct but if your your suggestion was without, that
1: it, without uh, without offending the 7th amendment for example
0: if there if there are not legal damages that are sought that is correct wait
1: wait 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 what's the difference
0: well th- th- there is a difference your honor but i want to make a more basic point which is your suggestion was that the case be remanded and they could proceed you on know, counts I didn't one suggest
1: and two. It, I just said could that be You hypothesized. All right. For the, you know, and
0: my, my point is that would not work because for example the city of St. All
1: right, I, so what? I wouldn't do that. I, I don't need to do that, so it was my decision. Mm-hmm. I'm just I, I'm gonna ignore count three and focus on what is really at issue, which is a a plaintiff happens to be a tax Fee collecting plaintiff mm-hmm. seeking a declaratory judgment that fees are owed. Well, saying I, and if, if, your honor, if your honor will enter that equitable decree for for full relief, I would add in addition uh, that you order them to pay what's retroactively due, right, which but, they'd sue for anyway.
0: But that, but in substance, your honor, that's a claim for money. If I have a breach of contract action, of
1: course it's well, If I have a breach
0: of contract action against you for for damages it's not a real declaratory judgment if that's all I plead. Well, you, you, if there's an adequate remedy at law, you're supposed to plead that.
1: Well, you, we, we should be back in the 18th century arguing in England for whether it's a, whether it goes to the king's courts or the uh, uh, parliament's Well, in, in determining whether a,
0: a, a monetary claim is, uh, is legal or equitable, the, the courts do look at those questions. But I'll... But, I'll, I'll, but,
1: but you know, Quackenbush didn't draw that distinction.
0: Well, Quacken, I think what Quackenbush said and what this court has said following it is that if the plaintiff is seeking money that a dismissal or abstention is not appropriate And I'll now
1: wait a minute I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you and maybe yes, I'm wrong maybe I'm remembering it wrong because the holding is quite clear we have not previously addressed whether the principles underlying our abstention cases would support the remand or dismissal of a common law action for damages. There is no common law action for damages in this case.
0: Well, Your Honor, I I would refer to different language, which is uh, page 721 of the opinion. The Court said, We have thus held that in cases where the relief being sought is equitable in nature or otherwise discretionary, Federal courts not only have the power to stay the actions based on abstention, but also in otherwise appropriate circumstances decline to exercise jurisdiction, dot, dot, dot. By, by contrast, we have held that when federal courts may stay actions for damages based on abstention principles, we have not held that these principles support outright dismissal or... obviously um,
1: um, referring back to their common law action for damages.
0: Well, Your Honor, I haven't seen any cases in the Supreme Court or this court that suggest that it's that statutory actions for damages. And of course, this is not a statutory...
1: We've seen a lot of avoiding of Quackenbush, which was a, which was a nightmare when it was written. Well, there is a lot of avoiding of
0: that. I would suggest that's improper, but I want to make the point...
1: You know, I, rather than avoid it, you just, you just limit it to what it holds.
0: This is not a statutory action for damages. The statute does not give them a cause of action. That's an issue for another day not this court but we think it you know it's not a question where they were invoking a cause of action in the statute and
1: with that I understand your position
0: thank you I'll reserve the balance of my time
3: Good morning, Your Honors, may it please the Court. My name is Garrett Brushhouse, and I have the privilege of representing the plaintiff, appellee City of Creve Coeur in this case. So this case, as we heard, asked whether DirecTV and other companies should be paying a gross receipts fee under Missouri's Video, Video Services Provider Act, an act that no Court, other than the State Court on the motion to dismiss in this case, has ever interpreted. The District code court below remanded the case for a second time on the basis of the Supreme Court's comedy doctrine, which six federal courts have now applied the same way under nearly identical circumstances in cases that are essentially the same as this case, and have all reached the same result. And so we ask that the court affirm, and it can do so for two independent reasons. The first one goes to the timeliness issue that goes to a jurisdictional uh, issue. I'll touch on that just briefly. As we heard, Directv removed this case for a second time, and it was a year after the first remand to state court. The exception that they're trying to invoke, twenty-eight U.S.C. Uh, fourteen, 14 in, in twenty-eight U.S.C. fourteen forty-six B, it traditionally applies to uh, jurisdictional issues. And Mr. Charms even discussed a prototypical example where maybe you can't ascertain the amount in controversy initially, and then later on during discovery or during some other matter, it becomes ascertainable. And, of course, that can trigger the 1446B3 uh, exception there. But we aren't talking about a jurisdictional issue here. Instead, we're talking about...
1: What strikes me is this central question is this, the question of whether fees and taxes... Are distinct are distinct for comedy principles if they're not then it was an untimely removal right is that is that your argument forget law the case and everything else
3: Yeah, that's how the district court approached it and I think that is one way to look at it we look at it slightly different because the way we look at it is the first the district courts first order had nothing to do with that tax versus fee distinction well, Mr. Charn says well, that's that
1: they didn't raise it probably.
3: Yeah, and so and so the, the point being is that whatever the the uh, state court ordered then had no effect on that previous order that the district court had pre- previously entered. And so there is no new change or anything like that that can trigger that 1446 well, B3 well, it, exception then.
2: It arguably had an effect, right? Because the district court in the first instance Based its comedy decision on the fact that it was a tax, isn't that correct?
3: I, I don't read the opinion uh, that that clearly. It seems more to me, when I reread the opinion multiple times over the last few days, is that he assumed that the tax fee distinction didn't matter. And you know, well, if look, when you look at when when we look at how we made the argument, uh, the first
1: shorter the the, fir- the first the f- one, the first one, yes. So the fee tax issue was it itch- was there in the first.
3: It was, we briefed it the way we briefed it, is we briefed the tax issue under the Tax Injunction Act. Because the Tax Injunction Act, of course, as its name implies, uh, involves taxes. But we didn't make that tax fee distinction in our briefing the first time around because we've always taken the position that the tax fee issue doesn't matter for purposes of comedy because comedy is this.
1: What you argue doesn't matter, it's what they argue. I don't, I don't understand why you're making this so hard. Uh, you're you're going out of your way to take the most convoluted approach to the procedural question.
3: Yeah, your, your honor, I think the reason that we, we are arguing it is because we do view this as a jurisdictional I'm thing, and so it's you don't not even. Not
1: issue. You're just. I said what I thought the issue was, and no, 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 that's not it at all. And you go into a much more elaborate re- reconstruction of what was argued and decided the first time around.
3: Well, Judge Lockett, I, I the think the question
1: you, is whether they can raise this now.
3: Well, Judge Locut, I, th- I think you are are correct in that, and, and Judge Cobes, I think you are correct also that um, you know this was first ascertainable to the extent there was some change that occurred. It was first ascertainable whenever we were filing our briefs. Well, what
2: about counsel's position that that would have forced them to take two positions, and they were arguing it was a tax in state court, and they would have had to. Uh, argue it was a fee in federal court in the removal papers.
3: So, yeah, you know, I, I think there are two answers answers to that question. First, I think part it partly goes back to the uh, district court's first order that didn't really make that distinct tax versus fee distinction. It didn't. Uh, it didn't turn on that. I guess I also,
2: I'll have to reread it because my interpret my recollection at least was that the tax determination was slightly more important, but, but I'll go back and look
3: at it. Yeah, but I think the, the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, to the extent that they thought that we changed position, then, you know, that's us revealing our position. And so, you know, that put them on notice of, of what the position is. But I do want to move on to the heart of the matter, which is, you know, whether the district court properly uh, applied Levin and remanded this case a second time for purposes of comedy. And I think that there's a, an important thing to point out. As the, the briefing said this, and Mr. Charnes said this again, they try to portray comedy as being limited to, as, as Mr. Charn said today, offensive actions by taxpayers. That's essentially exactly what some courts had held in the wake of the Hibbs decision uh, because of a footnote in, in Hibbs, the Supreme Court Hibbs decision. And so the Sixth Circuit, the Seventh Circuit, several other cases were started holding that that's what comedy was limited to. And so some courts explicitly said that comedy couldn't apply when an action was increasing the state's coffers, that it was limited to, again, offensive actions by taxpayers. But Levin overturned all of those cases. And Levin said that courts were misreading that footnote from Hibbs. And that's the answer, really the answer, to this case. Levin then instructed courts that whenever you have a matter that uh, has the right recipe, as this case does, where it's not only just touching on the fiscal affairs of local governments, but it's also involving a statute that's never been construed by any court, except for the state court on the motion to dismiss, and you also have... Uh, companies that uh, some companies are paying this fee, others are are not paying this fee. And so you have all of these recipes that call for comedy in this case then. And that's why remand was proper. Now, Mr. Charnes wanted to talk about the the Quackenbush case. And I want to point out a couple things related to the, the Quackenbush case. And The first is that it explicitly recognized that the Supreme Court's McNary case was an action at law for damages. That's a comedy case where the Supreme Court did apply comedy to an action at law for damages. And so it recognized that this has been done in uh, in the comedy branch of abstention. And it also drew a line to a case called Huffman in the Supreme Court well, the Supreme Court recognized that declaratory judgment actions can be subject to comedy, even if there's follow-on relief. And the reason being is because there's some discretion there for our federal courts when it comes to declaratory judgment actions. And that's, and, and Judge Loken's right. That is what our case is, essentially. Now, this isn't a, a pure action at law just for damages. And we're talking about a fundamental disagreement between the parties about the reach of, of this this act and whether or not it can apply to these types of companies, and so that's why we are clearly seeking a declaratory judgment, asking the court to construe this statute, determine whether or not it applies to these types of companies. We're also seeking an injunction, which is obviously equitable relief. We're seeking an, an equitable accounting, and so we're and we're seeking the follow-on relief well, that proceeds if,
1: you, if your count through. Count three threw this into Quackenbush's jaws. What do we do?
3: You yeah, I, I would. I would first disagree that it threw it in there. Of course you would. Come I, I, on. But I want to explain why. Uh, why I don't think that's right.
1: No, I asked you a what do we do question. Well, I think you interpret for more argument. Well,
3: I think you interpret the way. What you do is you interpret that count three as just describing the follow-on relief. That's just a belt and suspenders. But that's count. not what it says. Well that's I think that's how we intended it to but, be it's just yeah, making but, sure
1: you pled damages You used the word damages
3: but follow on relief from the declaratory judgment courts use the word damages for that all the time I mean we we have represented cities in so these types you, of actions for a our, number of our years course
1: of action our, you're urging us to rewrite your complaint
3: we're not urging you to rewrite the complaint. What we're saying is that type of follow-on relief where we're just...
1: Give me a case case where a court has said, oh, well, they didn't really mean it and and rejected Quackenbush's uh, otherwise controlling...
3: Well, what I can give you is I can give you the McNary case, which Quackenbush recognized was a case about damages. And I could also give you the Ninth Circuit case of Fredrickson, which explicitly said that comedy applies to damages. And I also can give you the city of Fisher's case, where the pleadings were very, very similar, and the Seventh Circuit said that well, comedy a- applies here. The seventh Circuit's to Johnson. Was the
2: Quackenbush argument waived in Fisher, or am I, am I misremembering? There,
3: that? there were there were several arguments that were waived in City so of Fisher. I, I think
2: there, that was all dicta. I think if I remember on Quackenbush um, in the Fisher case.
3: The the. Part of that opinion was dicta, but they did go through the, uh, the, through the arguments and reach the decision we're I wanting to reach here. Yet,
2: Judge Scudder said, if, if it hadn't been waived, here's how we would have ruled. But I don't think it goes beyond that.
3: Yeah, I would agree that's dicta. I would also point out the Seventh Circuit's Johnson versus Orr case that is another case holding that comedy can apply to damages. And again, that goes back to Quackenbush itself recognizing that McNary had reached that, that holding. Um, so, you know, I, I think that when it comes to the comedy doctrine, this issue has been fairly settled and to my knowledge, this would be the, the first court to hold otherwise in the area of comedy. Of course, uh, you know, under uh, other abstention doctrines, uh, it could be read in different ways, but because you have the McNary Court, so many other courts recognizing that comedy can apply to actions like this. Uh, uh, it's, it, it's been pretty settled that comedy can, can apply in, in these types of cases. And so really, you know, the, what this goes back to then is the court had the legal authority to apply comedy, and it's just a matter of whether, the, whether she abused her discretion. And she went through eleven and discussed Levin, and she faithfully went through the factors that added up to the recipe needed for comedy to apply in eleven. And she found that those same factors were present here, just like the city of Fishers has done, just like a Georgia federal court has decided now, just like a Louisiana federal court has decided now, just like an Illinois federal court has decided now, and just like an Indiana federal court has decided now as well. That these are the types of cases where comedy should apply and the reason is is because this is touching on what these local governments can and can't collect and uh, in, in fees Wait, We're Where do t- these
2: fees go uh, it's probably in the record I don't recall are they go into the general fund of the, of the local government the city
3: yeah you that's still something that uh, that needed to come out in, in discovery to, to be clear uh, whether it's completely tied to right-of-way usage but, generally speaking, uh, they go to, to the, the general fund, and, you know, but then, you know, they are so obviously that, there is right that, of way usage. wasn't in the
2: record in the, uh, in the state court uh, decision related to fees versus taxes? It, it wasn't because we were on the
3: motion to dismiss still, stage still at you that understand. point, and so it was pre-discovery. We've made a lot of progress in the state court case at, at, at this point, uh, but we aren't to the summary judgment stage yet, although we've, we're making progress. Um, but the, the, the point being, though, this, these, these, these fees, uh, it, it does go to what the local governments can receive. And comedy is a recognition that because of federalism, because we're in a government that recognizes dual sovereignties, that we have to be very careful when we're talking about a federal court Telling the local governments what they can and can't collect because it's their very lifeblood. It's how they perform their functions. It's how they, uh, they how they, they uh, maintain their streets and and perform their right of way use right right of way uh, maintenance. And so the other thing that you know, Levin was looking at too, is it's looking at, well, this is this is an issue that's novel, and we should let the state courts be. In in this important area, it's it's an area where the the state courts are best positioned to make these types of determinations. One of the things that was issue at at issue in Levin was constitutionality. Constitutionality is at issue here, too. Defendants have been arguing that uh, this is unconstitutional, not only under the federal constitution, but also under the state constitution, under the Hancock Amendment. Well, if their Hancock Amendment is right, that could have humongous implications on this entire fee scheme. So this is a very important issue. It's a very novel issue. And this is something that that is best left to the state courts to decide in the normal course because, as Levin said, the state courts are more familiar with how to deal with something like the Hancock Amendment. Judge Benton, Your Honor, is very familiar with the Hancock Amendment as well. But from a general standpoint, uh, that uh, the, we should leave this to the state courts to make a determination of what to what to do about the, these things. So all of those factors, you know, the 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 recipe is there for comedy. The the district court correctly exercised her discretion in remanding this, and we would ask this court to affirm that that decision. And if there are no other questions. Um, I will take my seat, and thank you for your time. Thank you. Right.
0: I'm going to try and make two quick points. The first is with respect to Quackenbush, I'd refer... Uh, the court to this court's Yamaha case, where it talks about damages writ large, it does not limit uh, the Quackenbush principle to uh, common law damages. Uh, page uh, 603, 604, the court said when monetary damages are sought in addition to injunctive relief, excuse me, and the federal court is not asked to declare a state statute unconstitutional. In order to award damages, the case should not be dismissed. That's our situation here, uh, exactly. And I think what the Supreme Court has said, and what this court has said, is that Quackenbush applies. Yeah,
1: all right, this has been covered. I have a question. If, if your proposition that comity is, is a removability ascertainable, ascertainability, Question: If we disagree with that, that's the end of the that's the end of the case, isn't it?
0: If I understand your question, I think I think that if you agree with their with the city's position that removability means there's federal question jurisdiction, then then yes, because abstention occurs only when there is federal question
1: jurisdiction. So if I'm understanding no, no, your no, no. Well, no, 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 that's not that's not this is hard to articulate and i did that's why i wanted to try try it with you again you as i understand your argument it's that that um, under under 1446 d uh, removability is is linked with remandability and case law as you read it has said that abstention is a a removability issue as opposed to a a um, well, I mean, there's diverse. There's whatever. So, right. if, if if you're wrong about that, if, if abstention is simply a, a a defense to remand, then this appeal is over because this is this was not a timely removal, right?
0: I, I think I did. I, I, I'm not sure I'm following your question, but I think I disagree with you.
1: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm stating it, and I'm. I'm my result is unfriendly. That's why I'm not sure how to how to frame the question. I, I think uh, I'm not sure how you're framing it.
0: Well, what, let me frame it two different ways. Which is number one, when it's clear, and I'm not sure which one you're getting at, so I'll I'll state both. Number one, when it's clear from in the state court, either because of a state court order or because of a, in the right case, because of the position that a litigant takes, it's definitively the case that this federal question jurisdiction then the 30-day clock starts to move. And our position was until there was the state court order saying, yeah, these are fees, that that clock didn't but move. And on
2: fees, I mean, if the fees and tax issue is only relevant to abstention, if that's true, and I mm-hmm. believe that's accurate, then possibly this was untimely, right, because it does not go to removability.
0: Well, I think it does go it, – it, it goes to – It goes to whether the abstention was 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 proper, and there's a different ground for abstention. The court initially abstained because it was a tax. And if you read the district court's first remand order, the word "tax" is mentioned repeatedly. If you read their motion to remand or brief in support of their motion to remand, it focuses heavily on the fact that this is a tax, and the Tax Injunction Act was their primary argument.
1: So So, again, why wasn't this untimely? This this belated second. You know, this.
0: Because the district court the first time said, because it's a tax, we have to abstain. And when it became clear, when the state court said, it's not a tax, it's a fee, that changed the basis for – changed the abstention argument and gave us a different and new abstention argument, and therefore it allowed a second removal. But,
1: but the court remanded the first time, right?
0: The court did, yes, sir.
1: Yes, it didn't just stay. It remanded.
0: it did remand and
1: we upheld or did not it did not interfere with the remand
0: you denied review so,
1: so you had to have you had to remove a second time
0: we had to remove on a second time which the courts say if, it, if you can't remove it on the same basis we and your agree basis with that.
1: for removal is that the district court got it wrong in remanding the first time
0: no the basis was that the first time the district court remanded because it found it to be a tax and then, but, but that turned out not to be correct. State court said, no, it's not a tax, it's a fee, and that led to a different, different reason why the court should well, abstain. But, but
1: that could have been argued in, in opposing the first we, remand.
0: Well, it could not have been because the court... The, the, this
1: isn't a law of the case problem. It's, it's a... It's a uh, that wasn't preserved problem.
0: No, I, think, I don't think that's right, Your Honor. They came in...
1: That's why I'm... How do you get around that reasoning?
0: Because the city... This is the city's charge, right? This is their assessment... They came into federal court and says this is a tax. Levin tax comedy applies. The, dis- the federal district court said it's a tax and therefore we have to remit. When they got to state court, the state court they pulled the one eighty and said, oh, it's actually not a tax. It's a fee to avoid the Hancock Amendment. Fees and taxes. Our position is are treated differently for comedy okay, purposes. But
1: you could have had that. You, you could have had that go around the first time. Well, that was all. On, that was all in. The, it, it wasn't on the table. It was there to be put on the table.
0: Well, I, I, I'm not sure that that's. I mean, we could have argued co- contrary to what the city. Yeah, that's
1: this is
0: George argued. It, is I mean, our this position is this is, is a
1: fee, and to, and to be clear. It, doesn't apply.
0: I'm sorry, Your Honor. To be clear, our position to this day is that this is a tax. This is a tax that's subject to the Hancock Amendment. So that's. You're, again, we are suggesting that we take a position that that. Is not our position.
2: Well, you you make a litigation decision on whether you want to be in state court challenging the Hancock Act or you want to go for a remand. I mean, that's a litigation decision. That's a strategy, isn't it?
0: Yes, and to be clear, our position was that even if, and we argued this in federal court, that even if it was a tax, the comedy doctrine did not apply. But but the fact that it's a fee, we think, makes it even clearer. The First Circuit, for example, has definitively held that the Levin Comedy Doctrine does not apply uh, to fees. Uh, Judge Ambro of the Third Circuit has a very long concurring opinion. So th- we think it changes the basis for the argument and therefore the, allowed us... The to th-
1: mini-finality principle here is you don't get multiple bites at the, at the remand removal apple. Well, you it, 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 We go around it once, and we, we can review that initial remand order, and we're asked to do so, but not on this basis.
0: Well, I disagree with Your Honor if you're suggesting that the law is you can only remove a case once. The Federal Circuit... Well,
1: yeah I, yeah I know you're going to get into mountain controversy and all those diversity cases but this this is this is something that's on the table from the outset. All right I think you've helped clarify what, thank you what your position is and we'll, we'll think of think about it. And the other issues it's a complex case it's been well briefed and argued and we'll take it under advisement.